Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to The Code. Dr. Andrew Fix here from Physio Room, sitting inside of a gym here in town in the DTC area of V23 Athletics with Eric Hinman. Eric is a uh, five-time Ironman athlete, He uh, completer. He is now training in CrossFit, I believe, yep. and um, yeah, lives here in the Denver area. So, Eric, thank you so much for joining me on this on this podcast. And um, yeah, I would love if you would just share a little bit about you. I know you've moved here like I did, but share a little bit about you for the listeners. Yeah, so I moved to Denver from Syracuse, New York. I lived in Syracuse pretty much all of my life up until five years ago when I found Colorado. And God, it's the best move I've made in life. Um, the environment here, the people here, the decisions that you know you get to make every day being here are just incredible. The sun shining every day, the outdoors yeah. begs you to be outside. And I love the people here more than anything. I just feel like my, my crew here has incredible energy. They're active. They're always pushing the ball forward, yeah. you know, bettering themselves. So, you know, it makes you want to better yourself and makes you want to incrementally improve every day. So my background is entrepreneurship, um, Definitely athletics. I played three sports in high school, got into triathlon in 2009, Ironman in 2011. And it was really during those years from 2011 to 2015 that my life shifted to one that is very much based around health and wellness. Yeah. 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 And I've had the opportunity, like you said, your crew has a lot of energy and, you know, just the people that you surround yourself with kind of push you to do those health and wellness based things. That's kind of how I got connected with you Yeah, is, you know, through social media, found out that you were with a collaboration with the gym here, putting on an event mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. And so a coworker of mine and I, we were like, well, Hey, we, we should come to this event. It looks like it's a fun time, coffee, workout, ice baths, yep. uh, you know, what's not to like. So, you know, we've just met a couple of weeks ago, but looking at some of the content that you have online, it's very much what you just said, you know, you base your whole life around just taking care of yourself and pushing yourself to the limit, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. Someone messaged me in a negative way recently about, uh, you know, my life being based around training all day, recovering all day. And I'm like, what? Like, why are you judging me? Like, I'm doing what I love every single day. Like, I could only hope that everyone else gets to do what they love every single day. Um, so yeah, I'm grateful that I literally just get, get to yeah. do what I'm passionate about day in and day out. And, you know, I've been able to form this nice little business around it. And I mean, the, the community aspect of it is what I enjoy the most. I absolutely love building communities. I love being around like-minded people. I love sharing experiences, activities that have brought me tremendous joy with others. So, you know, so much of it is, 
like doing it with other people. Like I have a full gym set up and recovery set up at the house, but yeah. I still come here to V23 three or four days a week, which is a 30 minute drive because yeah. I want to train with other people and share in that energy and joy. And mm. even same at our house, like I'm very rarely there, you know, training by myself. I'm inviting people over and yeah. having people sauna and cold plunge and, you know, do all of those things that really changed my life for the better and exposing other people to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to get into that a little bit. Um, but I know I've listened to a couple interviews that you've done on different podcasts and something that I've heard you say a couple of times is you feel like now you're in this like thriving, thriving chapter of your life, but mm -hmm. there was a surviving mm -hmm. chapter before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you grew up in the Syracuse area mm -hmm. and you got into insurance yeah. right, right out of school. Can you sort of like play us through that period of your life and how you were working hard on the professional aspect to build mm -hmm. something, which is now allowing you to do this other stuff that you really enjoy and make, make a lifestyle out of that. Yeah. It, it, you know, looking back, I can tell you which chapters are thriving and, and surviving, but you know, when you're in it, you don't really know because you haven't lived a thriving chapter per se yet. And I mean, it takes a while to figure out like, what are my superpowers? What do I really enjoy doing? You know, what is the environment that I thrive in? Who are the people, you know, that I surround myself with where I'm having flow state conversations? So all of those things take time. So, you know, I think it's difficult to just like land in that thriving chapter. Like yeah. you kind of have to figure out, you know, who you are and what you enjoy. So yeah, backtracking. I grew up in a really small town that, you know, still has the exact same population of when I left it, 1200 <laughs> yeah. people. I graduated with 90 kids. I think now they graduate like 70. So, you know, I grew up in a small town, kind of closed minded. You know, I, I definitely didn't really start experiencing, you know, the world and big cities and big thinkers yeah. um, until college and really post-college when I started traveling to places like New York City and LA. And, you know, you're just exposed to people that have had their eyes open to like, you know, the, the bigger things, you sure. know. So, and no fault of my parents. Like I loved where I grew up. It was incredible. I grew up salmon fishing, snowmobiling, just like hick town doing, yep. you know, like <laughs> redneck things. And it was fun. Like I always say that that really humbled me so I can relate to anyone. I can relate to, you know, someone that grew up in a, in a small town and I can relate to a high flying city person. Yeah. Um, so then I went to uh, college at Geneseo for business management. I knew I wanted to create my own, my own destiny. I've always been, you know, self-driven. I've always wanted to, you know, just push the ball forward incrementally every day and control my destiny. So in college, business management, and then my father gave me an incredible opportunity right out of college to build my own property and casualty insurance agency. He gave me a small salary, company car, and for seven years from 21 until 28, yeah. I drove 50,000 miles a year and, and I sold camp uh, insurance to campgrounds and marinas. Mm -hmm. So very niche markets, um, suit and tie every day, dressed to the nines. Yeah. And you know, it was a great opportunity he gave me because it was building an asset and it was building residual income, which sure. really laid the groundwork for everything else I've been able to do and also laid the groundwork to freedom. So, you know, within that chapter of my life, you know, I realized that I was very much like work on the work day, weekdays and play on the weekends. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I definitely had not blended lifestyle with career and, you know, I definitely wasn't monetizing my passions. Sure. And in my mid twenties, I was pretty out of shape because I was sitting so much. I was sitting in a car, you know, I wasn't eating very healthy. I didn't have the education around like how food affects your mood and your energy levels. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I was maybe exercising three days a week, but it was like bench press and, you know, bro lifts, yeah. bicep yeah. <laughs> curls, tricep curls. I wasn't doing functional movements. I wasn't doing it because, you know, I thought it would make me feel a certain way. I was doing it because it was a checklist item. And yeah. I thought that I needed to exercise to have semi big biceps. You fill out your suit jacket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, my mid twenties, I weighed 200, 205 pounds. I had a, you know, a little gut. I certainly was not, I didn't look like an athlete whatsoever. I looked like, you know, a young businessman. Yeah. So I hired a personal trainer when I was 25, 26 years old. And I started going five days a week, 30 minute sessions, doing these high intensity workouts with complex movements. So, you know, thrusters and deadlifts and, yeah. you know, squatting and stuff I had never done before. So, and, you know, running in between those lifts. So my heart rate was elevated for that full 30 minutes. Yeah. And then I signed up for a 15 K race. I had gotten back into running a bit. I had a running background. I ran cross country and track in, mm -hmm. in high school and started running again. And I signed up for this 15 K nine mile race called the Utica Boilermaker. And I ran it at like a eight fifty nine minute per mile pace. And I was smashed for like five days after <laughs> So that was kind of my aha moment of like, you know, starting to get into aesthetically good looking shape from all of the weight training and anaerobic efforts that he was having me do, you know, six months in, it's not like it happened overnight, right? but you know, I realized that aesthetics didn't mean I was fit per se. Yeah. So I started running more often again, trying to build up my cardio base with no like purpose in mind. I was very much just like exercising and then doing what my personal trainer was sure. telling me to do. Yeah. And then along the way, I got into cycling. I bought a mountain bike. I did that for a couple months. Didn't have anyone to go with. Didn't really have very good trails in upstate New York to go yeah. on. So then I bought a road bike, started road biking, really enjoyed that. And through road biking, <clears throat> I met these two people, uh, Lauren, Lauren Brewer and Charlie Brewer who they got me into thinking about triathlon because they had these fancy bikes that had four handlebars. Right. And I'm like, damn, I want one of those bikes. So I bought one and I'm like, well, I guess I got to sign up for a triathlon now. <clears throat> so I do a sprint triathlon, <clears throat> almost drowned in the swim. I had no swimming background. I could swim, but not with like my head in the water, not like a swimmer. Yep. Um, you know, biking came pretty naturally for me because I was building some leg strength, doing all those squats, thrusters, deadlifts yeah. in the gym with my personal trainer and running again. I had that background. So I, you know, was a decent runner. So in that sprint triathlon, they, uh, they set it up in a way that it's almost impossible not to succeed in some way because they have like age groups where you can place, they have, you know, newbies where you can place, they have like all these different categories yep. where like somewhere or another, you're probably going to get top five in something. <laughs> so I ended up coming in like third in my age group at the time. And, you know, it was like, I'm like, wow, I think I can be kind of good at this sport. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I started doing these Wednesday triathlons in Jamesville and I would go and just like hammer it. They were like one hour time domains. It was swimming maybe 800 yards, biking 10 to 14 miles and then running a 5K. And I was getting pretty fast at those. Yeah. Like I was winning a lot of those Wednesday night triathlons. And then um, whenever I signed up for a race, though, like at a, a sprint or Olympic distance, this one guy, Mike Corona, would always beat me. Uh -huh. And I looked way fitter than him at this point. I'm like, you know, two years in now of the personal training and, you know, now doing triathlons and so now I'm doing cardio and strength training. And, yeah. you know, I'm starting to see some definition in my stomach yeah. and, you know, I'm feeling like an athlete. So he keeps beating me. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I look so much fitter than him. I crush him on the Wednesday night triathlons. Yeah. Like, why is he beating me in these races? 
so he taught me a super valuable lesson um, that really translates to anything in life. And it's uh, think like a bumblebee and train like a racehorse. So a bumblebee based on its shape is not supposed to be able to fly. It's like round and heavy and yeah. Uh, it has a small wingspan, but because it believes it can, it does. So the power of a positive mind and then a racehorse just does what its master tells it to do it. You know, it doesn't question anything. It doesn't overtrain, undertrain, it just does what it master, its master tells it, tells it to do. So he taught me that I had to slow down to speed up in triathlon mm-hmm. and I hired him as my coach. And he taught me the, the Maffetone method, which is based on heart rate. So it's doing the majority of your training at a zone two heart rate in order to build durability and increase volume. Yep. Um, and then we would do some higher intensity intervals on the bike and in the swim where there was less risk of injury. So following that protocol, following his advice of just like sticking to the plan, laser focused, he put a workout in certain heart rate range, certain paces, certain wattages on the bike. I literally hit it to a T for four yeah, years. And, this, yeah. yeah, exactly. And by doing that and believing that like my goal became getting to the Ironman world championships Kona. Yep. So by believing I could get there and then by sticking to this plan, you know, over a four year period, I got really good at, at Ironman triathlon and uh, ended up competing there twice. Awesome. That's awesome. You know, that's always been a challenge that I feel like I've had too, is going slow, like during yeah. the majority of your training and not overdoing it when you're supposed to go slow. I think that's something that, you know, I've heard a multitude of coaches basically say this, that when we're talking about endurance running, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I work with a lot of endurance running athletes in the clinic and stuff. And I talk to a lot of different running coaches. And what I've heard a few times is especially Americans Mm -hmm. have a tendency to run their speed workouts too slow Mm -hmm. because they're running too fast during their base base building work. They're like, they're not saving enough in the tank when they're supposed to go slow and then it affects their speed workouts, not really being able to hit that top end yep. when they really want to. But yep. that's been something that I've had to learn, learn myself. And sometimes I have taken, you know, my watch on, on just like you said, on a long run and I don't even look at the pace yeah. whatsoever. I just stare at that heart rate. And yeah. if it starts creeping above a certain amount, I got to scale it back. Yeah. If the pace is slow. Then the pace is slow. Yeah. You're so right. And I was doing all of my training in the gray zone and I was certainly burning calories and I was exercising, yeah. but I wasn't training purposefully. And he taught me that I was doing everything at like a 150 to 160 heart rate. My yeah. max heart rate then was probably 180. And he's like, listen, you're either doing 130 to 140 or you're going to be doing 170 to 180. Yeah. So like you're either building your threshold or you're building your aerobic engine. And he's like, listen, there will be a time and a place when you do your race pace efforts, call yep. it 140 to 150 heart rate, yep. but not now. Like this yeah. is these three or four months, this is when you're doing volume. You're doing everything at that 135 heart rate. And then you're going to have a threshold period where for two months, you're going to be doing these hard threshold efforts. But, you know, on those days, you need to back off a lot the day before so you can hit those efforts okay. and you need to rest enough in between those efforts to hit it again. And that took me a while to learn that in CrossFit because I was yeah. coming from this like high volume mentality. Ex- you know, if it's a four hour training day, I'm training four hours. I'm exercising yeah. four hours. And then you come to CrossFit and like, you know, some of the intervals are 15 second bike intervals yeah. and then three minutes of rest. And I'm like, I don't need to rest that long. You know, yeah. my heart rate comes right down. But, you know, I had to realize that if you hit that 15 or 20 second assault bike interval hard enough, you need three minutes of rest yeah. um, to hit it that hard again. So that's taken some time to wrap my mind around. Yeah, there's a point to all of this stuff. And there's a reason why you need to rest that long. And there's a reason why you need to go at that intensity. And there's a reason why you should back off and go way slower than you think you should go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I would love for you to sort of share like, 
how did you make that transition and how, how did that transition go from you moving from that, you know, endurance building base competing in triathlons to Mm -hmm. when did you decide, okay, I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to go more the CrossFit functional fitness kind of route. Mm-hmm. Um, cause obviously the energy systems are different, yeah. but also, you know, just the whole mentality be- yeah. behind it is different. And how did that kind of correlate with your, you know, move, moving here to Colorado, your insurance business, when did you make that sort of switch and transition? Yeah. So the insurance business I kind of phased out of in 2009, 2010, I hired someone to manage it for me, got into software for four years, building a software company, did that from 2010 to 2014, sold my shares in that in 2014. And, you know, that time period, 2010 to 2014 is when I was competing in Ironman and really my days were based around training. Um, But I was going to an office and, you know, helping run the software company. And then after 2014, you know, I haven't had a day-to-day job per se since then. It's been um, co-founding companies. I started a gym in upstate New York, a couple restaurants. I've since sold my shares in those companies. Um, And, you know, then influencer marketing, consulting for brands, investing yep. in different brands. That's kind of been the day-to-day from 2014 to now. Um, the progression from Ironman to CrossFit. So 2013, 2012, I did my first Ironman. I missed qualifying for the Ironman World Championships by one minute in one place. I saw the guy who got the final Kona spot at mile 25 on the run. He passed me. I had nothing in the tank. I had no clue at the moment, but I saw his age on his leg. It said 33, and I was competing in the 30 to 34 age group. And when he passed me, I thought, because I knew I was towards the top of the race, I'm like, fuck, I wonder if that's my Kona spot. And sure enough, it was. Um, So that was my motivation to do it again in 2013, 2013. I had a great race, qualified for Kona, Um, got to Kona maybe two days, three days before the race and major lesson learned. I had this like enormous pancake breakfast. Like I did things that I wouldn't normally do leading up to a race because I put Kona on a pedestal. You know, I thought I had to, you know, go above and beyond what I had done before to do well in Kona. And yeah, I strayed from the plan again. Mm-hmm. Like I questioned the plan. I did something off plan and it, uh, it screwed me up. So I had a horrible race in Kona. I didn't get there soon enough either to ha- acclimate to the heat. Um, so that was my motivation to go again in 2014. Yeah. Yeah. So I did Ironman Lake Placid, had a great race in Ironman Lake Placid, probably my best Ironman ever. And then got to Kona, did a 937 or high 930s, which was a very fast amateur time for Kona. So kind of check that box of like mm-hmm. being a really fast Kona Ironman athlete. Yeah. And get back to Syracuse and continue training. I ended up hiring another coach, um, you know, who I thought would get me to the next level of competing at a pro level. And, you know, I, I just started to realize that I didn't feel great. I, I was going through the motions. I had sacrificed so much to get to Kona. You know, I was training 25, 30 hours a week at that point, And my body really didn't feel good. I didn't have, you know, that unlimited energy I kind of had when I first started the sport. Yeah. You know, I hurt to go down the stairs in the morning. I was achy. My hips really bothered me. Um, just wasn't feeling great. And I, again, like I really felt like I was just going through the motions because I had, I now had this identity as this elite Ironman right. athlete. Sure. I'm in a small city, Syracuse, New York. You know, at that time I had become pretty well known as like this amazing Ironman athlete that came out of Syracuse. And, you know, I felt like I kind of had to live up to it, even though it wasn't like living out my purpose anymore. So 
2015, I was signed up for races and half Ironman comes in like March, like a week before I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I don't feel like doing it. And then another race comes in like April or May. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't feel like doing it. And that was like, shit, something's not right (laughs) here. You know, I'm not enjoying this anymore. So, you know, I, at that time I had started a CrossFit gym. I was, you know, taking CrossFit classes. Um, you know, I had that background already of some of those lifts going back to 2008, 9, 10, when I was working with that personal trainer. Yep. So like 2015, 2016, I was kind of in the gray zone again. And I was trying to figure out like who I was because I phased out of Ironman. You know, I tried going right into CrossFit, training four to five hours a day with CrossFit, tore my MCL, my shoulders were fucked up. I kept getting injured. Like, it was the wrong mentality going into CrossFit and, yeah. you know, trying to immediately be this elite CrossFit athlete. I mean, it took me four or five years to be an elite Ironman athlete. And I had this thought that because I had this engine for days yeah. that give me a year, I'll be, I'll be at the CrossFit games. Sure. And that was a false, that was a fallacy. So yeah, 2015, 16 were major ego check years where I had to like reframe my perception of who I was. And 2017 is when I was invited to Colorado um, to, uh, there was a company that was sending me product called Matador. Um, They make packable adventure gear and the head of marketing invited me to stay with he and his family. And, you know, I'd been traveling quite a bit. There was really nothing me keeping me in Syracuse anymore. You know, I had met these amazing friend groups in New York and LA, and I felt like I was spending more of my time at this point kind of traveling to those cities. So I'm in Boulder, hiking Mount Sanitas every day, went to this amazing CrossFit gym, Boulder Athletics, and just like fell in love with Colorado and realized like, damn, this is where I need to be. This is the next chapter of my life. And yeah, subsequently, I uh, was out to dinner with some guys who went to Syracuse University that I was introduced to, and they were telling me about a townhouse they had right yeah. near Bronco Stadium in Denver. Yeah. And I hadn't been to Denver yet. I had only been to Boulder. And, uh, you know, a few drinks in, and they're <laughs> like, hey, our roof deck is open. Like, one of our roommates just moved out. And I'm like, this sounds amazing. I'm like, I'll take it. Yep. So I commit to this, you know, living with these three guys in a townhouse near Bronco Stadium. Um, so I bought a motorcycle the next day for my transportation while I was in Denver. I still had a condo in Syracuse. And 2017, I was kind of going back and forth okay. between Syracuse and Denver. Um, and 2017 is when I found, uh, Denver sports recovery and yeah. I started doing cold exposure, the hot bath at they had a hot tub at Denver sports recovery and the infrared sauna, um, every single day for a year, I went there and I did 50 minutes in the infrared sauna, five minutes in the hot five minutes in the cold three rounds. And after a year of doing that, like all of those aches and pains from ah. those Ironman years started to go away. And I'm like, damn, there's something to this. I mean, not only yeah. do I feel good immediately after I feel loose. I have this major serotonin hit, but you know, I'm not aching anymore. I can do that high volume again and not be banged up. Um, so that was a major turning point. And also like, you know, I started to build that an audience on social media over, you know, throughout the Ironman years, but it really came more after Ironman from like 2015 to 2017, it continued to grow. 2017 is when brands started reaching out to me, 2016 to 2017. 
So then like my identity changed a bit to like, oh, wow, I can just be, I can live this unique lifestyle based around health and wellness. And I can inspire other people to, you know, prioritize health and wellness because it's made me this better person. Like it's fueled mental clarity. It's fueled a lot of my business ventures. It's fueled this unlimited energy I have now. So, you know, that that's where that identity changed was during those years, I went from Ironman to trying to to be this, you know, elite CrossFit athlete to Mm -hmm. being like, no, I just want to like give back. I, I yeah. want to take what, what, you know, health and wellness gave me and share it with others. So, you know, people understand that it's more than an aesthetic. It's a yeah. feeling, it's the mental clarity, it's the energy. And then like your cup is full, you can give back, you'll create opportunities for yourself because like over those years, like especially those Ironman years, so many business opportunities came because I was this interesting Ironman athlete and people yeah. were attracted to me and I'm like, wow, I can do what I love and generate opportunities for myself. I don't have to yeah. go to business networking things <laughs> and, you know, I don't have to cold call people. So yeah, the identity changed over, over that time period, my lifestyle changed and, you know, now I've been able to really base, you know, my, my business around a personal brand. Yeah. Yeah. It basically sounds like as soon as you were able to just start I don't know, roll restart, just being you, being yeah. yourself and yeah. doing the stuff that you like to, like to do, then things just started sort of dominoing and falling into place. 100%. People love authenticity. People yeah. love, and it doesn't have to be health and wellness. It can be, you know, uh, art. It can be music. Like yep. people are attracted to people that like are laser focused on one thing and passionate about something. Yep. So I realized that through those years that like, wow, like I figured out what I really enjoy doing, what like my authentic self is. Yep. And I also know who I want to surround myself with. Yeah. Like I'm going to go overboard on others that are cut from the same cloth. What's going on, Code listeners? Dr. Andrew Fix here. And I want to tell you about our friends at Element. Element makes a tasty electrolyte drink with everything that you need and nothing that you don't. That means the science-backed electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium, and none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. And that's why I use it. I've been taking Element for two years now, and I absolutely love the stuff, and I wouldn't want to exercise without it. For all of you code listeners and friends of Physio Room, Element's offered a special to you guys, and I want you to take advantage of it. Go ahead and visit drinkelement.com slash physioroom. That's drinklmnt.com slash physioroom to receive that special offer. You're going to get a free variety pack with any purchase that you place, and I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. Thanks so much. My wife and I, uh, her name's Erin, and you know I bring her up on this podcast a lot because we have we have a lot of these types of conversations yeah. at home. Where I remember, you know, one time we were getting ready to, you know, like got invited to a dinner with somebody or something, right? And I forget the exact story, but you know, I asked Erin, like, "Do you want to go to this dinner?" And she, her response was, or my response or something was like, "You know, I feel like we should go." she's like, well, should we go or do we want to go? Like, are you doing stuff because you think your identity is wrapped up in that? And that's what you should do. That's what people expect of you. Or are you doing things because you actually want to and you're passionate about it? And that's what makes you happy. Yeah. You know, and it's so often that whether you're an athlete or whether that's your job, like people get consumed with whatever this identity is. Mm -hmm. And they do things based off of that rather than just based off of what truly makes them happy every day. Um, I've recently, and this is, this is hard for me to do. I've recently started trying to change the way that I answer the question when people say, Oh, Hey, good to meet you, Andrew. What do you do? Mm -hmm. Well, 
the initial response is like, well, I'm a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't ask me what my job was or my mm-hmm. career was. They yeah, just asked me, what, what do you do? What do, you do? Yeah. And I, you know, What's your day look like? Yeah. yeah. And it might just be like, well, I love to work out and, you know, I like a good steak on my plate yeah. for dinner or something like it doesn't have to be what you do for your job. But that's naturally how a lot of us answer the question. Mm-hmm. It's because that's where our identity is just wrapped up into that. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah. OK, so you moved out here 2017 and, um, you know, you started to just live this life that you're passionate about around people that you enjoy being with. Was there a like a certain person or a certain thing that made you start participating in the Denver sports recovery, heat, sauna, ice baths, like what got you into that in the first place? Yeah. Um, so I went to Mountain Strong Denver when I first landed here and there was this, uh, this dude, Matt Lloyd, who he's a professional climber mm-hmm. who kind of took me under his wing and showed me around a lot of Colorado. And he introduced me to Denver sports recovery, you yep. know, told me it was this, you know, cool place where you go and recover and okay like i had done infrared saunas you know dating back to those iron man years prepping for kona and you know i realized the feeling that i got from it but it hadn't become a super consistent routine Mm -hmm. so yeah he exposed me to it and you know i I feel like during those iron man years i learned a really valuable lesson of you know i kind of got addicted to the high of exercise and i had to go further and faster to get that same high. And that really pounded me into the ground. Sure. Um, because all I really knew was like high impact activities, running and CrossFit and, you know, obviously biking and swimming are not nearly as high impact, but I was running so much and that was what gave me the biggest high out of all of them. Yep. So, you know, I always knew I could get a high from it, but I had to go like further and faster to get that same high. Mm -hmm. So when I went to Denver sports recovery, and realized the high I got from, you know, the extreme heat, the hot and cold. I'm like, this is the same high I get from exercise and running. And I'm like, but I feel like loose and limber afterwards. And the next morning I feel great. So, you know, it reframed my mind of ways I could gain that same energy and mental clarity without having to exercise to get at. And, you know, I always tell people that like, it's, I I like the David Goggins of the world with the savage mentality, but I think it's, it's easy to get addicted to that and make it a lifestyle. And I don't think that's healthy, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're going to pound yourself into the ground with that mentality. I think it's important to write, you know, a certain chapter of your life to like, know what you're capable of and to, you know, figure out that your limits are way higher than what you probably think they are, but getting addicted to it is, is not healthy. So, you know, I'm glad that I've found all of these other outlets to, you know, get my conversations like this, this is a flow state conversation. So, you know, I figured out how to build my day in a way that everything is based around flow state, but I can replicate it day in and day out without feeling like shit one day or another. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know this is something that I would like to ask you to, um, to sort of maybe lay out there for the people that are listening to this, who may be interested in getting involved in more consistent heat exposure, cold exposure, sauna, ice bath, whatever that might be. You know, there's brands out there like the plunge and the ice barrel and whatnot. So for someone who is considering implementing some of these things in their life, doesn't really know where to start. They don't have a sauna at their house. What do you recommend as some of like the early entry ways to just get involved and start putting the pieces in place? Because what you and I know is consistency of using those things is going to lead to the the potential results. Mm -hmm. You know, using it once, once every quarter or something isn't really going to lead to the feeling that you're sort of portraying. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the two biggest things are what fits with your lifestyle and 
you know, what is accessible to you, um, where you're going to do it on a regular basis. So, you know, for some, and I think this is so overlooked as such a, such a great recovery tool, hot Epsom salt bath. If you have a, if you have a bathtub, like committing to, you know, three to five hot Epsom salt baths every week, like that is very accessible to a lot of people that have a bathtub yep. and, you know, you should be able to structure that into your day. It's at your house. Um, looking for a gym that, you know, has sauna, cold exposure, you know, in addition to the fitness routine that you want to do that way, you can combine it with, you know, when you go into the gym, you sauna right afterwards, yeah. you pull plunge right afterwards. So, you know, figuring out like what's accessible, what fits with your routine. You know, I, I have built my, our house around all of this. We have a sauna yeah. at our house. We have cold plunges at our house. We have red light therapy at our house. We have an infrared sauna at our house. We have non-attack, like everything is right there. Yep. And, you know, again, like I've built my business around this. This is a lot of my day. So I have a lot of time to be able to do these things. And it's a big part of how we entertain. So, you know, it's overkill for most, but, you know, we've created our whole environment around that. So, yeah, yeah my absolute favorite recovery mode modality is doing a hot barrel sauna for 20 to 25 minutes. So hot means 175 to 200, you know, depending on how heat adapted you are. And then we have ice barrels. Um, we have one that's hooked up to a chilling unit pump and filtration system. So we keep it set at 45 and we'll do the, the three rounds of 20 to 25 in that hot barrel sauna, Sisu sauna. And then we'll do five to seven minutes in the cold. And I always tell people in the cold, like if you're new to it, um, go until you shiver. That might be a minute. It might be 90 seconds. Yep. Um, but you know, I encourage people to immediately dunk and then, you know, try and catch your breath and stay in for 60 seconds, yep. 90 seconds. And I like that 45 degree temperature because that's a temperature that both myself and others, aren't that scared of like, you know, yeah. we'll use it often. My girlfriend will get in it, you know, even if she doesn't do the sauna first, I'll jump in after a bike ride. Whereas if I keep it at like 34, like I'm a little discouraged, like I know that's going to hurt. So, yes. you know, yeah. I might not do it right after my bike ride. And, you know, Sarah probably won't do it nearly as often. Our friends coming over are going to be terrified of it. So yep. I, I like it at a temperature where you're going to get tremendous benefit. But again, this all goes back to like consistency, consistency over complexity. So what, what is going to allow you to do it? The most yeah um so that's what allows us to do it the most other things like restore hyper wellness you can go yep. there they have infrared saunas they have drips they have the normatech boots they have the um all enclosed uh cryotherapy chambers which i think you get some benefit from that not nearly the, the same benefit that you're going to get from um fully immersing yourself in the cold and then same with cold showers like it's better than nothing but yep. It's not nearly the same response you're going to get from doing a full, you know, cold plunge. Yeah. So, you know, you could get ice and you could do it in your bathtub if you do have that bathtub at home. Yep. Um, and from an ice bath standpoint, typically, you know, tap water is coming out at, you know, maybe the low 60s. You know, so I just did this. I just did this experiment. So yeah, like, like, like you said, you were, um, you know, building, building your audience and whatnot. It attracts yep. other people. So. I used to participate regularly in ice baths when yeah. I was um, an athlete in college, football track, we, you know, for football, we would use like big black hundred gallon stock tanks mm -hmm. outside in the heat and they throw a great. bunch of ice in there. And then in college uh, track, a lot of that's happening when it's not very warm outside, you know, we're running indoor track. So we would use this um, circulating ice bath in the athletic training room. Mm -hmm. And I got very used to doing those. But then there was a huge period of time after college athletics, right into an ice bath for, mm -hmm. I don't know, 10 years or something. Mm -hmm. And then, um, 
did a couple here in Denver and then it had again been a year or two. And then we signed up for this event mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago with you. So hopped in there. I don't know how long I stayed in the ice barrel, maybe, maybe three minutes or something. And um, like you said, that that just sort of like re-sparked my interest or whatnot mm-hmm. in doing it. So mm-hmm. the next day I went out and bought another hundred gallon stock tank just because I wanted it like right now. Yeah. I didn't want to wait for shipping. I was like, hey, Murdoch's is right down the street. Yeah. I'm gonna go pick it's this up. Option. I know I need to um, you know, fill it with with ice and everything, but at the town home where my wife and I live, space is on a premium. We don't have a lot of space. So I was like, you know what, Aaron, I'm going to sacrifice parking my car in the garage because mm-hmm. I'm going to put this, this stock tank in here. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing ice baths a couple of times a week. Love it. Um, the tap water is coming out somewhere in that like 66 range. Yeah. You know, I fill it up with hose. It's like 66. And, um, you know, I heard you say the other day on social, pounds. yeah, 100, 160 pounds worth. I think you said you got ice from Costco. Yeah. Order it ahead of time. Go pick it up and get it in there. But it's yeah, it takes deliver it to you. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And they'll deliver it. It takes quite a lot of ice to get that water down to 45 degrees. Yeah, it does. So a lot of these companies now are coming out with chilling units. You have Cold Plunge, you have Forge, yep. um, you have Renew, I think it is. They're uh, Polar Monkey Studios. You know, they're all five to 10K to get those, you know, expensive. But again, like, I really feel like the benefits you're going to get from it are, are going to outweigh the cost that you're you're paying up front. Yeah. I, I consider it preventative healthcare. <clears throat> and then Ice Barrel, um, they're coming out with a chilling unit really soon, and they're going to be in that like $2,500 price point to have water my, time. My yeah. But yeah, an easy, inexpensive, you know, starter option is just getting one of those stock tanks yep. from Lowe's, Home Depot, any kind of hardware, uh, you know, supply store. And 100 gallons is perfect for one person, 150 yeah. if you want to do it with, you know, two people in there at a time. Yep. And then, yeah, just, you know, get ice at Costco, Sam's Club. You could you could freeze water bottles. You can freeze those yep. Yeti packs. Um, so, you know, there's options, too, to yeah. not having to get ice yep. and just being able to freeze a bunch of stuff and mm-hmm. put it in there to get the temperature down. And, you know, as long as the temperature is getting you know, into the mid fifties, like yeah. you're going to get benefit from it. You're going to have to yeah. stay in a little bit longer to get to that shiver point, but yeah, yeah you're still going to get benefit in the fifties. Once it gets above the sixties, you, you just have to stay in. It's kind of like a, you have to stay in for 60 minutes, you yeah. know, to really get some tremendous benefit. And then it heats up from your 60s. body. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're heating the water too with your yeah. body temperature. <clears throat> I took an opportunity. My wife and I went to steamboat for the weekend and yeah. we went on this hike Fish Creek Falls, Love I think it was hike. called. That water is cold. Yeah, so we opted for, you know, you can walk like a quarter mile. Oh. Uh, and I say walk because that part of the trail is not very, you know, yeah. technical or anything. And you get to the bridge, you can see the waterfall. Mm-hmm. So we opted for the two and a half miles each way to go to the to yeah, the actual waterfall. waterfall. But we didn't go farther to like the lake. Yeah. But we get there and I see like a couple people sitting over by the water. So, you know, I ask Aaron, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to go over there by the water. Is that fine with you? You know, I, I sometimes will do a little bit more like risky climbing and hiking than she likes to. So I get over there and then this was another one of those things where I was going through this, you know, mindset of, Hmm, I want to jump in this water, but there's a little inconvenience with that. I got to take my shoes off. Then I don't want my feet to be wet for the hike back Mm -hmm. and all this and that. So I look at Aaron and I'm like asking her, do we have a couple minutes? Like, Mm-hmm. Is this going to be a big inconvenience if I hop in this water? And immediately her response was, how often are you going to be able to do this? She's like, get in there. Mm-hmm. So I hop in the water. It was pretty darn cold. Mm-hmm. And um, what was kind of cool was it sort of started a little bit of trend. Like nobody cool. else was in the water. I hopped in the water. And then two guys after me were like, yeah. well, if he's doing it, I want to do it. So a couple other guys did it. And then, you know, I was hiking without a shirt on. I had like a water water pack and stuff. So I was like, well, I could sit here and let my, you know, 
feet air dry, but my wife literally took the shirt off her back, handed it to me. Let me dry off my feet so we could get back on our way back down the hill. Cause we were, we were hitting it out of town after that, but it was just like, take the opportunity when you have it yeah. and do it. Yep. And, and then, yeah, if, you know, someone's looking for the consistency, you mentioned hot Epsom salt baths. I was listening to a podcast with, uh, Peter Atia. No, 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 not Peter Atia. It was Joe Rogan and Huberman, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Huberman. They were talking about saunas, nice baths. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I remember them saying, which I would definitely refer you to that podcast, uh, it's on the Joe Rogan podcast with Andrew Huberman to listen to all the details. But I believe they said, that like 45 degree temperature is kind of what you're looking for on the ice baths, even a little colder if you can tolerate it. But um, 11 minutes per week mm-hmm. accumulated in the 45 degrees or less mm-hmm. to like really get some of those physiology benefits mm-hmm. and then accumulated in at least an hour a week in the sauna. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you yeah, know, 184, I think yeah. say at least 184. Yep. So if you're looking for like, hey, what's my minimal effective dose? Like how... Mm-hmm. How little can I do these things, but still have it be really beneficial? That's what I would shoot for. And that's kind of what I've been shooting for. 12 minutes in the ice bath per week yep. and two two times of a half an hour of a sauna per yep. week is what I've been doing with my accessibility. Yep. And stay until you get a response. That's that's important. And yeah. you'll know, you know, you'll know when you're uncomfortable in both. You'll know when you start to shiver in the ice yep. and you'll know in the sauna when your head goes down, the hurting starts, yeah. you know, so yeah, like you, you should, you should be sweating profusely and you should be shivering in the cold. That's, you know, that, that's your body telling you that you've gotten the appropriate response from each and then you're going to get the adaptation from it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's a, just another way, right. To push your body to, to a challenging point, aside from, like you said, doing that with a pounding exercise session or something. Yeah. And I mean, these are all good stressors. These are all going to help. Same with exercise, you know, doing a CrossFit workout, you know, like we were just in a lot of pain doing this 32 minute EMOM and like that translates over to so many other things. You know, someone cuts you off on the road when you're driving home, you're not going to freak out. You've built stress resilience. You've built grit. Same with the ice and the cold. Like it takes something monumental now to stress me out and I never get sick. And you know, it's all all attributed to, you know, these various good stressors that I've put on my system. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I've kind of noticed the same thing, not, not getting re into it nearly as long as you've been consistent doing these things, but you know, every time you hop in that water, it's a little bit easier than the time 100%. before, right? Yeah, it's just, just like a CrossFit workout. Mm-hmm. And you know, not that it's, it's easier because you've wrapped your mind around what that feeling is. You know, how you're going to feel, you know, you know, that it's not going to get any worse than like kind of that immediate shock to your system. You know, you do the CrossFit workout, Fran, the first 30 seconds are horrible, but then you kind of settle in a bit, you know, and then it almost hurts more afterwards. Yeah. And in, yeah, the cold is, you know, that initial dunk is the shock to your system. Yeah. And then, you know, within 15, 20 seconds, your body's like, oh, okay, this is the new norm. I can do this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, before we, you know, start the process here of wrapping this up, um, I know you are, doing a podcast as well mm-hmm. in collaboration with restore hyper wellness, which we at physio room have an awesome relationship with those cool. guys too. So, awesome. you know, there's a facility right there in Highlands ranch, which is right around the corner, maybe half a mile from our office. And we work with their owner there. And then I just recently visited their South Broadway location. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the other one that's pretty much close to our office. So that's a place that we refer people mm-hmm. um, as well for the things that we don't have in our office. We don't have cryotherapy chamber. We don't have red light therapy mm-hmm. uh, on that full body extent in our office. So we love to work with those guys, but tell us a little bit about the podcast that you're doing with them. Um, Cause if someone wants to go check it out, then they can tune in to watch, listen to you guys. Yeah. So it's not live yet. So give restore a follow. I'll be posting it too. Once it's launched. I don't know the exact launch date, Yep. Um, but it's, 
So I'm interviewing people that live and breathe hyper-wellness. And it's all about uh, Restore has nine elements of hyper-wellness, which I might not be able to name all of them off the top of my head, but nutrition, sleep, oxygen, hydration, cold, heat, light, uh, I'm missing two, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, they have their nine, um, elements yep. of wellness. And so the, the people I'm interviewing are, you know, pro athletes, they're you know, content creators within, yeah. you know, certain realms, they're gut health experts, they're nutrition experts. And it's kind of diving deep with each of those individuals in, you know, all of the elements, but, you know, the ones that they are particularly knowledgeable about. So, you know, hoping that, you know, their daily structure, their insights into, you know, their own experimentation will help others hopefully implement some things in their life. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So be on the lookout for that. When that uh, posts live, go give them a listen and uh, give Restore and Eric a follow so you can get on, get in on that content. And then, Last but not not uh, last but not least, I was hoping to ask you this question, and I don't want you to feel like you'd be leaving anyone out. I don't expect you to maybe list off every single one of them, like the uh, elements of Restore there. But I know you help build and curate brands, right? And just by sharing what you're passionate about, sharing things that have worked for you, and trying to inspire other people. Mm-hmm. For people listening to this, I think we'll have a lot of listeners that you know enjoy doing some of the same things that you like to do. Mm-hmm. If you were to direct a couple people to brands that you know and love, if they didn't follow you already before this podcast, hopefully they will now. But what are some of like your favorite brands mm-hmm. that you just love to share share with people? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm an investor and have been with 10,000 since day one when they mm-hmm. had one pair of black shorts with a white X on them. So it's yep. been really cool to watch them grow their community. Um, I'm an investor in Beam. Uh, Beam Dream is an incredible sleep product um, that has helped myself, Sarah, and lots of our friends and and uh, lots of our peers get really good sleep. Yeah. Um, I'm an investor in Kane uh, and work with Kane that have since day one. Um, they have active recovery footwear. Mm-hmm. Yep. That have. I mean, they look kind of like Crocs. They're great water shoes. They're great travel shoes, but they have these raised nodes on the footbed that stimulate circulation yeah. in your foot to improve blood flow. We all know that a lot of the stuff that we're doing sauna cold, you know, the big component of it is is blood flow. It's increasing blood flow and increasing oxygen rich blood. Yep. So um, they're an incredible company. Um, Ice Barrel, I've yep. worked with since day one when they had a wood barrel and yeah. uh, now they're coming out with, they have plastic barrels, but they're coming out with a chilling unit soon. Um, Sisu Sauna is another startup that I just started working with. Um, Pete, the founder is an awesome dude in Ohio. He's making barrel saunas with an Amish workforce nice. in the U S and shipping them nationwide, like a two week ship time. And you can get them with a whom heater, which is my favorite heater on the market. They're out of uh, Estonia, um, have a long tradition of making incredible, um, sauna heaters. And then man, uh, Armora Colostrum, incredible product. Yeah. Uh, it's called liquid gold, uh, slate, uh, milk. Those are uh, good. Lactose-free milk. You yeah. brought those to that event. Those are good. The cooler here, yeah. twenty-three. Human Improvement, a vegan protein powder company. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the the theme with all of the companies I work with, and again, you can you know on Instagram, you can see yep. all the different brands that that I work with. The theme is, you know, A, does it fit with my lifestyle? B, is it a, is it a product or service I I like and enjoy using? And like, this was never supposed to be a job for me, you yeah. know, being a brand consultant, creating content. I, I'm so grateful that it's turned into a job, but I didn't set out with the intention of Instagram becoming this yeah. platform to be able to monetize. So, 
you know, I'm very careful with the brands I work with because I never wanted to feel like work. I just wanted to blend in with my lifestyle. And then um, the third component of that is, do I know the founders? Do I love their story? You know, is it a company I would want to invest in? Um, So yeah, for a lot of these, like I have a vested interest, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. And, you know, I, I believe in them and I believe in the team. I believe in the story and I believe in the community they're forming. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's awesome. And I think you guys could sort of hear there through Eric listing off those different things. He pretty much listed off a different brand for all the different components of his lifestyle, right? It was like clothing, it was food, it was sauna, it was um, supplements, it was ice barrel, all the different things that sort of encapsulate his whole life. And like he just said, he's not using things or not representing and promoting things that he's not using and enjoying himself. So um, definitely putting his money where his mouth is. It sounds like Instagram is going to be the best way for yep. people to potentially get in contact with you. What's your handle on Instagram so people can follow you if they don't already? Yep. Yeah. Just my name, Eric Hinman. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Eric, this was a blast having you here on the code. Um, I'm excited to go listen to the podcast that you're doing with Restore. I'm excited to come here, do more workouts with you on future days. And um, just thank you so much for your time, man. Likewise. This is great. Awesome. Cheers, cool. Brother. Thank you guys all for tuning into this episode of the code with Eric Hinman. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.